professional audio slate in three, two, one. The Garner Andrews Show with Bryce Kelly presents That Was Close. So all of a sudden you're upside down, you're in this bathroom. Is your first concern, oh my God, why is the boat upside down? Or is your first concern, ooh, this toilet water is everywhere now. Did you ever do this, like think back to when you were a kid, you're in a swimming pool or a lake and you take like a large bucket and you put it over your head and then you crouch down and you get your shoulders under the water, but you still have the bucket and you're breathing oh, in an air you have pocket. A little, little pocket of air. It feels like you're submerged. Kind of. That's a scary thing. Did you see there was a video recently of some guy who was in a shipwreck? <gasps> he was down there. Shh. Oh, is this what you were going to talk about? Yeah. Wow. wow. Do you know this story? Not the ins and outs. I just saw the video. Like, how, I don't know how long he'd been down there. Well, we're going to find out. Oh, is that the tale today? Uh-huh. This is the true life survival story of Harrison Okini. This is a recent one? Well, you know what? Actually, it kind of is. I'm going to test you today. So when this whole thing was going on, what year was it? These were all big songs the year that this was going down. Okay. See so if you can guess. Let me hit play on the jukebox here. Yeah. She's up all night to the sun. Okay. She's up all night to his song. Daft Punk. She's up all uh-huh. night for good fun. She's up all night to get lucky. And we'll never be royal. Lord royals. If you want it, I what year? Okay, this has to be 2000. We crave a different kind of bug. 11? Why'd you only call me when you're high? Arctic Monkeys. Oh, that's a good song. It's a good album. How about this one right here? I came in like a. Riley. So when Harrison Okini's stuck at the bottom of the ocean, what year was it? He was missing all these songs. What do you guess? 2000, you know what, I'll go uh, 2014. Oh my God, so close. 2013. God. Yep, the not too distant past. It was May 26, 2013. 29-year-old Harrison Okini, he was a cook on board a Nigerian tugboat called the JazzCon 4. He was one of 12 crew members. Ooh, JazzCon 4. That sounds like a... It, like a spaceship. Like a Death Star or yeah. something like that. No, it's a, it's a tugboat. Five o'clock in the morning, Harrison wakes up and he does that thing where you're like, should I hold it and risk having to do laundry or should I just get up and pee? <laughs> it's bladder chicken. Okay, you know? he's going to make it tinky. It's a pee-pee roulette. And he decided he didn't want to have to do laundry that day. So he got up and he went to the bathroom and that right there, they figure might be the decision that saved his life that day. Huh. I feel like, uh, well, I guess when you're explaining the story, I would leave out the part where you nearly wet the bed. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but it's important to the story. I mean, he, I don't know that he said in interviews, well, I was uh, playing bladder chicken. No, he just said I got up and went to the bathroom. Yeah, I'd be telling everyone I was busy doing push-ups or something. Yeah. But if you're in the bathroom, I guess. So he's working on board the JazzCon 4. It's in the Gulf of Guinea, which is Southeast Atlantic. The seas were angry that day. Mm. Harrison's tugboat, it was being used to stabilize a huge oil tanker that was moored to a, it was being refueled like 20 miles offshore. 
when all of a sudden his tugboat got pummeled by a rogue wave. Uh, it overturned, sunk a hundred feet into the bottom of the ocean. Ooh, a hundred feet. That'll yeah, get you. Like the boat just kind of reared up like a bucking bronco and then sunk straight to the floor. But when it landed, it landed upside down on the bottom of the ocean. Oh, that's not ideal. Tugboats are crazy things. They're so powerful. Yeah. But yet you look at them and you go, I could, I could take that thing. What's with that pipsqueak boat? And then you realize it's doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. And you're like, they're impressive. They're like ants. They are like ants. They're exactly <laughs> they're the like, ants they're of ants, boats. They're the ants of the sea. <laughs> now, because this part of the Southeast Atlantic is often teeming with pirates, the crew members, they would all lock themselves in their cabins. They would lock the doors from the inside at oh. night when they slept. And this kind of worked against them as they tried to escape the uh, sinking ship. Not Harrison, though. He was sitting on the toilet in his boxers. So all the stuff, they even say, yeah, he was just sitting there in his underpants. As, wow. as the water rushed into the tugboat, Harrison had to fight to get the bathroom door open so he could try and swim to safety. Can you imagine, though, the water pressure pushing against you? Like, it was a struggle for him to get the door open. He eventually did. He was swept into the hallway where he saw three of his colleagues. They were trying to get to this emergency hatch, but the rushing water was just too much for them, and the three of them were just swept right out to sea. That must have been very confusing. So he's in the bathroom. All of a sudden, you feel your feet getting wet, and you're uh-huh. like, uh-oh. Yeah. Did I miss? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> also, a pretty good indication something had gone horribly when all of a sudden you're upside down. Oh, yeah, right. It's upside down. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a giveaway. And you know what, guys? <laughs> you got to be more careful when you're making a pee-pee. It's easy to aim and everything you should, but if you are in a capsizing, sinking tugboat, it's okay if you miss. <sighs> What's yeah. your first concern? So all of a sudden you're upside down, you're in this bathroom. Is your first concern, oh my God, why is the boat upside down? Or is your first concern, ooh, this toilet water is everywhere now? Oh my God, I thought about that immediately too. I'm swimming in pee-pee water. Yeah. So Harrison, he gets swept down the hallway. But it's weird what happened next. It's like he gets swept into another bathroom. So this bathroom is attached to an officer's quarters. And at this point, his bell is rung pretty good from the force of the rushing water and the fact that the boat is capsized and sank to the bottom. But he managed to grab hold of a bathroom sink. And remember, everything's upside down. And he pulls his head up out of the water towards the ceiling, which is actually the floor. And he gets his head out of the water and into the air pocket. Sort of like what we were talking about before with the bucket on your head in the swimming pool. Yikes. It would have that same sort of feeling. Now, you said 100 feet down. So it's not like insanely deep. Like it's it, still enough. It's enough to do some damage. Oh, yeah. But it's not like because we all just went through that whole submarine, oh, yeah, the yeah. Titanic thing. It's yeah. not like that deep. Oh, no, no. Like 100 feet. Could you swim your way out of there? Mm. Probably wouldn't feel too great when you get to the surface. If you got to the surface. Yeah, I don't know. That's a long way. That would be a long haul. But yeah, uh, the pressure would be nuts. So meanwhile, up top on the surface, several other tugboats, because it was his tugboat was part of a team of tugboats that were holding this oil tanker steady. So these other boats, they all witnessed what happened, and they immediately called 911 or whoever you call when you're in trouble on the high seas in the South Atlantic. I'm pretty sure it's probably not 911, but... Yeah, and I don't think a rescue can come all that fast either. No, well, they're 20 miles out. 
When search and rescue did arrive, they sent divers down the 100 feet to the boat. And those divers, they started knocking on the hull to see if they could get a response. But nothing. Harrison was banging back, though, but nobody could hear him. The rescue divers that first arrived, they weren't equipped to stay at that depth very long. And when they didn't get a response from their, the knocking, they were like, well, we done here. And they booked it back to the surface and the search was called off. Oh, what a nightmare. Well, they were like, ah, nobody survived that. So he could probably hear them banging, but they couldn't hear him. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. What a nightmare. It's like the whole thing again, where you can hear the planes circling when you're lost in the jungle or... That makes it so much worse. It does, because it's like you've got hope, but hope is just dashed, boom, nothing. And it's probably pitch black. Oh, yeah. Harrison spent about a day in that small four-foot-by-four-foot bathroom. He'd pull himself up on that sink and his head's out of the water in that air pocket, breathing what I imagine would be some pretty stank air. And remember, 100 feet below the surface, and like you just said, like he's in the bowels of a tugboat, it would be pitch black down there. Oh, my God. And he woke up to make the pee-pee, right? So he probably has morning breath that's filling that little air pocket. Oh, God, never thought about that. Ooh. You probably couldn't even, like, if you put your hand right in front of your face, you probably wouldn't be able to see it. Oh, that'd be so scary. But he knew he had to try and do something. Uh, that would mean he was going to have to dive under the water and try swimming out the bathroom door into God knows what. Man, that's tricky, because he'd probably know the boat pretty well, but it being upside down and pitch black exactly pretty yeah. tricky. He'd be disoriented. Uh, He was going to have to feel his way through the darkness, the debris, the dead bodies. Oh, his buddies. Oh, man. And uh, no telling whether or not he was actually going to surface in another air pocket. And if he couldn't find another air pocket, would he be able to find his way back to the current one? But he went for it. He felt his way underwater through the darkness, banging around blindly, holding his breath before he eventually surfaced in the engineer's office where he miraculously found an even bigger air pocket. Not Whoa. not a luxurious air pocket. He figures he had probably about four feet of air. Oh, so, okay, that's a little better than the bathroom one. Yeah, but he was still in the water. He couldn't get completely out of the water. Still terrified. Yeah. The other problem he was faced with all of a sudden now, too, is hypothermia, because... Oh, that water's not real warm. No, and he's wearing boxer shorts. Yeah. It's not like he's wearing a a swim parka. Yeah, that's not even the part you think of. You always think of drowning, but it's the cold will get you too. And the carbon monoxide. Yeah. Yeah. This is where Harrison O'Keen goes full MacGyver. He felt around, he found a couple of basic tools in the engineer's office, and he used those tools to pry some of the wall paneling off the walls. He also found a couple of mattresses. Uh, And with the paneling and the mattresses, he managed to build himself a little platform so that he could at least get his upper body up out of the water so he could dry off and not be so cold. His lower body's still underwater, though. Harrison is apparently a pretty religious guy, and he says that he spent a lot of his time praying and thinking about his family. He also admits that he was terrified. Imagine the sound. Okay, again, pitch black. You can hear the ship creaking. On the ocean floor, debris banging around inside it as it's gently knocked around in the ocean's current. This part is extra creepy. According to a Reuters article by Joe Brock, 
Harrison says he could hear fish splashing around and eating. What were they eating, you ask? Oh, no, don't say it. The bodies of his colleagues. Oh, that's what I thought you were going to say. That's what they were eating. Oh. So obviously that did nothing for his mental state. He said he knew he was surrounded by his dead colleagues. He could smell them, but he could oh. not see them because it was so dark. Oh, God, that's oh. horrible. And all the meanwhile, oh, he had to know in the back of his head that those people came and were banging on the hull. Yep. And then they disappeared and he probably knew they weren't coming back. Yeah. Meanwhile, up top, the company that owned the tugboat, they'd hired a deep-sea salvage crew to come and retrieve the bodies and the ship. You know, this wasn't a rescue operation anymore. It was strictly salvage. They wanted their boat back. And the problem is, is that the boat had landed upside down on the ocean floor. And remember how I was telling you off the top of uh, that protocol on the boat was to lock all the doors because of pirates? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it took the salvage divers a good chunk of time just to force their way into the boat um, because the doors were all locked from the inside. Yeah, it's not like they can kick down the door at the bottom of the ocean. No, and once the salvage divers breached the hull, that right there, Bryce Kelly, that is fancy salty sea captain talk for kicked in the front door. They breached the hull. They found all sorts of obstacles. Obviously, there was a lot of silt and debris, furniture, office equipment. It was really disorienting because, like we said earlier, the ceiling was the floor, the floor was the ceiling, up was down, down was up. Almost immediately, those salvage divers found four of the bodies. One of the divers, he uh, took off on his own in this narrow stairway so he could search the second floor, which was actually the basement. Again, up, down, down, up. He's swimming around in almost complete darkness with just his headlamp to guide his way. And remember, he's looking for dead bodies at this time, not survivors. When this hand reaches oh, into oh, the water oh. right of right in front of oh, him and touches him. Oh, that must have been horrifying. Oh, this part of the story, this just creeps me out so hard. All I can think about is if you're that salvage diver and a hand comes... What would it feel like to S your wetsuit? Oh, my God. And how do you explain that to the guys up top when you're back from the dive? Like, <laughs> I'm just going to stay in the water for a while. I just hear you guys go about your day. I just hear you try. I haven't had enough water yet today. I guess there'd be enough confusion and commotion on board the salvage ship because you found a guy who was alive that you could probably steal away and throw uh, your wetsuit with no one noticing. Jesus, that is scary. That reminds me of... The boys in the cave in Thailand? Yes. And when they were going through the cave to find those boys, it was also kind of a retrieval, not a rescue thing. Uh-huh. And when they surfaced, all of a sudden they're looking at all these boys and they're just like, Jesus. It'd be, you guys are creepy. That would be scary because, yeah, the pitch black, you can't see anything. Yeah. Imagine how he felt when you're sitting there, just like, oh, boy, this ain't going well. And then all of a sudden a swimmer comes in. Ooh. The sense of relief he well, must have felt. Yeah, because he had been banging away, too, on the hull earlier, trying to get their attention. Because he could hear them trying to get back into the ship. Like, they, you know, how they couldn't get through the door. He could hear them banging away, trying to get his. And he's banging back, but nobody could hear him. And then to top it all off, they had these headlamps on, all the salvage divers. And he could see the lights swimming around underwater, but they kept swimming down the hallway past this room he was in. Oh, so it's like, oh, I'm over here. I'm over here. 
But eventually they did find him. The diver that did find him, the one that swam up to him and saw his hand come down into the water, that guy's name is Nico Van Heerden. All of the salvage divers, including Nico, they were wearing cameras on their heads and the video footage was being fed and recorded and monitored by their supervisors back up top on the salvage ship. And when Harrison's hand appeared in the video feed, the salvage captain, whoever the guy is up on the boat, he was like, holy crap, he's alive, he's alive. Nico freaks out a bit and he reaches for the hand and he honestly thought it was just going to be the hand of a dead body. He grabs the hand, he squeezes it, and the hand squeezes back. Jesus. God, that would be so scary. And at this point, the diver's still underwater. Harrison's sitting above the water, like his lower oh, body. can't but it, see his face. No, it's so dark, though, either. Like, in the video footage that you can actually watch, it's all just crap floating around. And then this hand just comes poking through the, the silt and all the other oh, garbage. Do we know how long it's been at this point? Well, we're going to get to that in just a few minutes here. Oh, okay. So the salvage captain back on top is like, comfort him. Come. He's probably scared. So Nico reaches up and pats Harrison on the shoulder. And this is the bloody best part of this story. If you go on YouTube, you can actually watch the video of this whole scene as it plays out. And that's what you were talking about off the top, Bryce. From the diver's perspective, you see the hand reach into the water you can hear the diver and the salvage captain freaking out a bit. You get to see the look on Harrison's face as the diver pops up out of the water into his air pocket and tells him that everything's going to be okay. The courage it would take to be one of those divers. Oh, yeah, because you know you're going down there expecting corpses. Yeah. Like that's the main reason you're there. And, and then to have somebody person. tap you on the shoulder and squeeze your hand ooh, in the pitch ooh, black. Ooh. <sighs> So anyway, the, the next problem was is he's been down there for quite some time and he's not a diver. So all of a sudden you got to put a dive helmet on a guy and swim him back to the surface. How do you know he's not going to just totally freak out right. and kill all of you? You know, accidentally, not on purpose. Yeah, that's the same thing they had in that Thai cave rescue where they actually had to... They had to drug them. They had to drug the kids and bind their hands behind their back so they wouldn't freak out and rip their mask off or anything. Yeah. So not Harrison, though. Apparently, they said he was super calm and they had to swim him over to a like a dive bell. You know what that is? No. Well, it's like a... They can lower it to the bottom of the ocean and you crawl inside of it. I guess it's sort of like a mini submarine that's hoisted up and down. Oh, by okay. the boat up top. So they got him into this dive bell. And the problem now is that he's been on the ocean floor for quite some time. And there's a risk of him developing. Oh, the bends. The bends sounds like something that's supposed to be fun. <laughs> it like, sounds like a ride you'd go on it, at the stampede. It does. It's like, hey, who wants to get the bends? It should be called the dead seas. Yeah, because it totally does. No, you don't want to get the deadsies. Yeah, it sounds the zipper, the tilt-a-whirl, and the bends. Yeah. They sound amazing. So what they did is they put him in this diving bell, hoisted him up to the ship, but then he had to spend two and a half more days or 60 more hours in a decompression chamber. Whoa. Otherwise, he probably would have just turned to soup the minute he came up out of the water. Oh, I didn't think it'd be that long. I was like, what, 20, 30 minutes? No, no. I think when you see these guys, these commercial divers who weld at depth, like who they're way down there working. No, they're 
I don't know what the number is exactly, but it depends on how long you're down there for. I know nothing about this. I should stop talking. Now, this part is hilarious. Maybe. When he actually came out of the decompression chamber, he's still, you know, kind of disoriented. He's in this fog. Somebody asked him, you know, how long do you think you've been trapped at the bottom of the South Atlantic? He said, 12 hours. Oh, no. He'd been down there for almost three days. Three days? And he said it felt like 12 hours. Oh, I would have thought it would have been the Yeah, other I thought it would be the other way. I don't know, 72 years? No. Three well, days yeah. stuck in the pitch black at the bottom of the ocean. Nico Van Heerden, the guy that found him, the guy who got his hand squeezed, told Jess Thompson from Newsweek, Vessels do sink and people die, but to find someone alive after so long does not happen. I've never heard of it happening before. Of the 12 crew members aboard the JazzCon 4, Harrison was the only survivor. He is said to have been just hours away from death due to probably carbon monoxide poisoning and not drowning. Carbon monoxide. Wow, that's crazy. Physically, he uh, made a complete recovery. But he was plagued with survivor's guilt, nightmares, PTSD. He would sometimes wake up screaming and flailing about, thinking that he was still trapped in that tugboat. Ooh, that sucks, because it wasn't his fault in any way, shape, or form. No, no. He shouldn't have any of that guilt. After his rescue, he said, I will never go back on the sea again. He was terrified of it, and uh, the constant nightmares were just too much to bear. Now, here's the twist no one saw coming. This is right out of a, a low-budget, made-for-TV movie. Since his ordeal, Harrison went back to school. What do you think he became? Uh, I was thinking of some kind of, like, desert wanderer, like, as far from the ocean <laughs> as possible. No, he became a commercial diver. Oh, what? Yeah. He uh, now dives at depths up to 150 feet, which is deeper than where he was stranded. Oh, my God. That's and, nuts. I would have thought he would have gone the complete opposite direction. No, he's right back in the ocean, working down there. He's probably in his office as we speak. Yikes. And that right there is the true life, absolutely bonkers survival tale of Harrison Okini and the JazzCon 4. God, it makes you never want to go on a boat again. Yeah, I never am. The ocean is horrifying. Yeah. My sources for this one, Bryce Kelly, an episode of the infographics show called I was trapped underwater for three days. You can find that on YouTube. Man, they give away the whole thing in the title. They do. Yeah. Um, a Newsweek article by Jess Thompson. The video footage of the actual rescue, that is spectacular. You can see that on the, uh, the Telegraph's YouTube page. And there's a fantastic Reuters article by Joe Brock. You should read that. It, it goes into even more uh, description of what happened down there. Oof. God, that makes my hands clammy. 